Hi, and welcome back to At the Devil's Ball, where we try to talk about horror and horror-adjacent films in a constructive manner and a positive manner when necessary. Um, I'm Samuel Numine, and with me as always is co-host and founder of The Feast, Nathaniel Johnson. How you doing, man? Good. Hey, everybody. So, uh, what a week we've had. Uh, yeah. let's, yep. let's not date ourselves, but uh, Jesus Christ. Mm. <laughs> Um, I wish I wish Johnny Smith wouldn't have missed that shot. Is all I'm gonna say. Sure, it's, sure. It's just, call, call back to our uh, election day episode. Yeah. All right. And we have a guest this week. Our friend Micah Brown. He's back on the show. He did our uh, supernatural specials with us. Hey, great to have you. Yeah. Good to be here. So today we're talking about we're going along with our uh, what is it? Snowed in month. I snowed believe. in. Yeah. Yes. Snowed in. Theme. You know, because if you live in the north, this is the time of year where you don't get to go out ever, even if there's not a pandemic. And you, you right. go a little stir crazy. Shit happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might try to murder your family with an axe or or, or a giant like, croquet mallet or get taken over by an alien. You yeah, know, who knows? An alien, you never know. You never know who your, uh, who your family is. So this week we're doing the uh, much maligned. Uh, let's, let's not cut quarters there. It's a very maligned film um, that... Uh, I think it's all right, uh, but uh, it's much maligned for a lot of reasons. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get into uh, the yeah. 2011 version of The Thing or the prequel to The Thing. Or yeah. This is one of the first movies where they do the who's on first title, I think, of the sequel prequel where they're like, well, we'll just call it the same thing <laughs> and we'll go from there. Yeah. Um, so uh, did you want to do the vital stats and we'll just yeah. hop on uh, into it? Yep. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, let's see. Um, and these are, these are very difficult names to pronounce. Yes. Gentlemen. Um, a lot of Flergen, Flergen, A lot of Norwegians. Um, yes. but we have, uh, the film was directed by Mathedis Van Heijengen. Heijengen. Junior. Junior. Uh, he was credited without the junior though. Right. On, on the film. Uh, and, uh, written by Eric Hessier. Mm-hmm. Heiserer. Heiserer. I think. Uh, apologies, we're gonna mangle everything. I'm gonna, name. I'm gonna mangle every name. Um, I'm gonna make sure I mangle Mary Elizabeth Winstead just to make you feel better. Just to make, but, yeah, Joel, yeah. Joel Edgerton, yeah, right. Um, but uh, it was written by uh, Eric Hessier, uh, who um, uh, wrote the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, remake. He wrote yes. uh, Bird Box, which was a big uh, Netflix phenomena a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, among with a, a quite a few. God, other was things. it a couple years ago already? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, um, yeah, time but he is a flat a, circle. Jesus. He's a very successful career. He wrote, uh, also wrote, uh, Arrival, uh, the horror film Lights Out. Um, he's uh, had a very successful career. Um, and then we have for cast members, we do have a Mary Elizabeth Winstead, uh, starring as Kate Lloyd. We have Joel Edgerton as, uh, Carter. Ulrich Thompson as the evil Dr. Sander Holverson. And we've Eric Christian Olson, um, who's also pretty recognizable as Adam Finch. And Adwale, Adewale Ekenyenyo Agbaje. That's pretty close. I looked it up. Yeah. I looked up that's, how to pronounce this guy's name, but it's that's, still... That's pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, Ekenyenyo Agbaje, I believe is how it's spelled. Adewale Ekenyenyo Agbaje. As Jameson, another very, very successful and very recognizable actor. And then... Other actors include Paul Bronstein, Trond Espen Seem, uh, Kim Bubbs, Jorgen Langell, Jean, Jan Gunnar Roys, Stieg Henrik Hoff, Christopher Hevju, 
Joe Adrian Havind, Karsten Bjornland, Jonathan Walker, Ole Martin Aun Nilsson, and Michael Brown as security guard. Um, so yeah, a lot of Norwegians in this film, uh, which yes. is fitting. Uh, it actually is interesting that they actually cast real Norwegian actors. Um, yeah. Considering well, and, the film and is the director, to be, is he Norwegian as well? He, he believe he is, yes. It, so interesting that they, because uh, normally I think you would see in a Hollywood film. Uh, only Hollywood just, people. They would just cast an yeah. American actress to do a, a Norwegian accent. Also, large parts of this film are actually in Norwegian. Right. Um, right. Because they, uh, uh, it's the story that takes place immediately preceding John Carpenter's film. Right. Which um, is odd because they never credited uh, the screenwriter of you know John Carpenter's film in the, in the credits, which I thought was kind of weird. They credited, little, obviously, who goes there. Yes, um, they, they did uh, credit the short story. Right. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, they actually cast, because the story is supposed to be about the Norwegian station, right. uh, north of the American station that was mm-hmm. in the thing, and, uh, and what happened there. And actually, they do a, a pretty good job of uh, keeping, of actually uh, uh, attention to detail, rather. Because mm-hmm. uh, uh, everything that happens, you see there are very specific shots that are set up that in the, in the original film, when they go to the Norwegian station, right. they've, they've painstakingly made it so that all of the things that he sees are the way it's left. Um, right. Which is, I think, is a really, really interesting little Yeah, part. it's a nice attention to detail. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but so that's basically the story. It's supposed to and it ends literally where the first film took up, but it begins with uh, with Lars, the Norwegian, chasing after the wolf. Um, uh, but yeah, so but it's a it's an interesting little story. Yeah. Um, so I guess from there, uh, Michael, what did you uh, what did you think of the film? Um, I I didn't hate it, but I spent a lot of the movie going. Uh, did they take? alien and aliens and just kind of like shuffle the script because uh, a little, like, bit, little, little bit some... of alien versus predator in there with the uh the spaceship and a little bit of uh x-files fight the future <laughs> that I, is a little it was bit. just like beat for beat right there's so like like the scene where she falls into the thing it's like newt falling into the into the mm-hmm. uh sewer system True. at the right. end yeah. um okay. the flamethrowers um, like you've got Kate Lloyd, who's essentially a, a Ellen Ripley stand-in. Right. Um, Carter was the American, right? He was a helicopter pilot. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, he is essentially Hicks. Um, and then like there's almost an exact wording, um, between um, uh, what Halverson says and what um. Oh, you talking about Paul Reiser's character? Paul Reiser's character. Yeah, yeah. Like, right, right. It's an intelligent species. It's obviously an intelligent species. We have to study it. I'm like, oh, right. come on. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not like it's not like this film isn't. It doesn't have a lot of cliches. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm not sure how much of that is entirely avoidable because so much of the original thing has become how you do this sort of movie. Right. Uh, and Alien and Aliens as well is, you know, the same thing. It's like, is it possible to think outside the box that much at this point? Yeah. Um, what, do you, what do you guys think? Think it could have been a little more outside the box? Or do you well, think it was I mean, boxed in by what it was? I think it's a little bit, it's a little bit boxed in by what it is. Um, and uh, that would be, I think, because uh, originally, okay, the, I think originally this film was marketed as a remake. 
Right. That was originally, I think, what they said was happening. They, they like, marketed it a whole bucks. bunch of different times, a whole bunch of different ways, because they, yeah. they first marketed it as a remake, then they marketed it as, you know, they really hit the, this is going to be practical effects uh, early on until after test screenings. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll definitely yeah. get to that, but I'm saying that's one of, you know, they marketed it a few different ways before it settled on what this what this was, was a, was a prequel quasi-remake yes. of the original. Yeah. Um, uh, <clears throat> so, yes. Uh, but I mean, I happen to like this movie. I think mm-hmm. it's actually pretty, I think it's actually kind of fun. Um, and maybe because part of that is because it's cliche. Right. Um, uh, and like I said, I do think it is a little bit boxed in uh, uh, based on what uh, what it has to be. Because right. um, I mean, it would be difficult to to tell the story, I think, in any other way. Right. If you're going to tell the story of what happened immediately preceding the thing, it would basically be the thing again. And that's right. Well, I, I except, think except I think how I would have approached it maybe differently would be to um, have the characters be more clueless uh, as to what's going on. Um, everybody seemed to really grok what was going on real fast, yes. and it kind of skipped to the part where like, okay, let's test everybody's blood, kind of stuff uh, real fast, uh, without too much, you know, what's going on kind of mystery. Yeah, and the um, strings are the strings are showing there. Yeah, uh, yeah. That that you know, we need to get make sure we what we need to set up the blood test concept so that mm-hmm. we can destroy the blood test concept and not right. do that again. Right. Um but yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I thought it was I, I'd never I, I seen this before. Go ahead, sorry. Um I, I did I did very much enjoy it and and it bring it brings to mind kind of the whole um uh, film critic thing where you know the only films that ever get good ratings are like these high high idea films right, right. for the most part mm-hmm. and there's no category to say you know what this is not an incredible movie it's not a great movie but you're not going to feel like you wasted your time watching it right right i enjoyed it i had fun i stayed yeah. up yeah later and i watched it and i didn't at any point feel like turning it off right so um, yeah I, and this movie. kind of this kind of fits um our the kind of movies we like to pick on here because we like to pick stuff we absolutely love and can't avoid talking about and referring to mm-hmm. and then we like to to pick the redheaded stepchilds that maybe no, don't get enough credit or, or or look at and this i think this this and next week, you know, we're going to show the uh, spoiler alert. If Casey hadn't figured it out, next week we're doing the the other thing. I mean, yeah. the John Carpenter one. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know if it would feel right if we didn't do this alongside it because either a nobody talks about it, nobody thinks about it, or b they just scream the whole time about how it's a tragedy and it yes. destroys their childhood and rapes their puppies and you know right. everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I don't think it's either of those. I mean, it's it's not great. It's not bad. It's it was fun. It yep. was you know. Well, I I've always had bored. Uh, I've always had a. Uh, 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 it's still an essay that someday I'm going to write, which was whatever happened in the three star movie, right, um, right. which was you know back in the day when you look at film uh, film critics, uh, like I, I used to read as a as a kid. I used to have like what my mother used to joke that it was my Bible because I would have it with me all the time. Uh, which was this uh, uh, video movie guides written by like Mick Martin and Marshall. Yeah, I loved those. And uh, they would be like these movies that were like three stars that were like, look, this is a mm-hmm. good movie. It's not going to blow your mind. Um, and then like, you know, it was, it was rated as from uh, Turkey to five star. Turkey was right. the worst. And then you had two star, which was average. 
three was good, four was very good, and five was excellent. Right. Um, and I feel like that's something of a lost art today. I do feel like indeed uh, everything is either like five stars or one star. I, I think Siskel and Ebert kind of helped destroy a, that because it's always an up or down. And, people you know, have pointed at people have pointed at, at Roger Ebert and uh, at Siskel and Ebert. They've also pointed at Rotten Tomatoes as the model. Yeah. Oh God! I don't know. Uh, where where there's a lot of coin flipping right. going on, um, or or meta score, you know, the same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is all. I mean, it was all well and good. Uh, right. and, and the the idea is supposed to be behind film criticism was always supposed to be at least in terms of uh, uh, mainstream awareness was supposed to be telling you was supposed to be consumer. Reports. Yeah. Reports. Yeah. It was yeah. supposed to be like, here's, here's what you should watch. Here's what you maybe don't, you know, don't spend your yeah. money on this movie. Spend your money on this movie. Um, uh, and somewhere along the line, uh, discourse started becoming. Right. Yeah. Even Siskel and Ebert, you know, they, they had a, most of the time, intelligent discussion on the films they were talking about and gave you reasons why they did did not like it. Yeah. Unless it was a horror movie, and then they just kind of acted like dicks the whole time. Um, <laughs> but, they, like, they liked some. Let's yeah, clear. some. I mean, they some of, some. and some of them they came around on later. You know, yeah. so they were they were okay with admitting their mistakes. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I agree that this is you know, this isn't a movie that's gonna change anyone's life, and I don't I don't think it's gonna be one of those cases even of uh, every comic book is someone's favorite comic book you know i don't don't know about yeah. that but uh it's, well, it's I mean, definitely worth the time it's, i mean that, i guess it's worth i mean i guess that's a, a worthy segue into um the whole visual effects thing uh because as you mentioned uh originally the idea was this film was very much marketed as we're going to do um uh practical effects meaning no cgi mm-hmm. uh, even though what i'm reading is that was never actually fully the plan uh, it was I, I think be, they were trying to do more of a mix. You it know? was supposed to be touched up with CGI. Yeah. And I, in, in my opinion, that's what this movie still that's, is. Yeah. I think when watching this film, I was looking at it and being like, you can still see practical effects in this thing. Uh, you can Here still there. see there's... Yeah, you can st- in most scenes, I think, in most of the gags, I think you can still see the animatronics. I think you can still see the actors physically being there with makeup effects. And then they added CGI over it. Um but supposedly that was supposed to be the plan all along was the, was the visual effects were going to be practical and then they were going to touch it up with CGI. And then what, what ended up, I guess, happening according to what I've been reading on the internet was Universal then ordered reshoots for a lot of the film, right. including a new ending. Um, and the discourse, the, the articles that I'm reading are basically saying that, and then they, they, basically took everything out and added CGI. Right. And, and not only just saying that, but also going as far as to say uh, bad CGI. Right. Like they were like, the CGI is terrible in this movie. It's not practical effects. It's, it's garbage. And uh, which is, and so in my mind, what these articles are more or less coming around to is sort of like uh, the principle of, if I ask you both to think of an, don't think of an elephant. You're going to think of an elephant. Mm-hmm. So I feel like a lot of the criticism around this movie ultimately ends up being wrapped around this um, practical effect versus CGI. Great. I, I agree. Yeah. And so ultimately I think that's all anybody can see of the film mm-hmm. is that they're going into this film and saying, uh, uh, well, it's not that it was supposed to be practical effects and now it's not what a disaster, what a tragedy right. this movie is. 
they ruined it. They ruined the. They ruined everything with CGI. Right. And um, that's a. That's kind of a marketing. Uh, right. Snafu, I guess, on Universal's part for not knowing the audience of a thing remake slash. Prequel. Yeah, and, and the reasons the reasons behind it are are nebulous. Accord, uh, from what I've read, uh, right. there there was talk that they they thought it looked too much like the thing. Eighties film, yeah. Um, well, that's something I, somebody mentioned this on social media just, just the other day. Somebody was talking about practical effects and kind of saying that, like, if you really look at a lot of practical effects, they're kind of campy. Right. Um, uh, it, you know, uh, and I think the same thing with CGI. Like, if you, like, we, like uh, I watched um, uh, Revenge of the Sith, the third prequel movie. Yeah. Uh, not too long ago. The, the um, only quasi decent of those three. And even then, I don't think I I, I disagree, yeah. but I think, yeah, I, think I think those movies actually got worse as they went along. Yeah. Oh, I think they, I think that's the only one worth watching, mm-hmm. and that's like that's not saying much. I know, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> My point is, is that those films in particular were like it's a, a CGI all the time, right? Um, well, using an effect is is you know as much as filmmaking itself is an art form of knowing what you can and can not show, right, and. Both sides of the equation, you know, back in the 80s when everything was practical, there were a lot of people, you know, running with effects that they should have been able to tell in the moment were not going to work as, as intended. Um, and it's the, the same thing with CGI. You know, it's right. people use CGI and don't shoot it right, don't cut it right, and it, it's just going to look like a video game. And there were some parts of this where I thought, you know, maybe I should just break out my laptop and start playing Resident Evil Two remake. <laughs> as a, well, as this, I think as this film progresses, by the by the third act of this film, the CGI right. does basically fall off. Yeah, and uh, I think part of that is probably because that was, I think, largely what was reshot. Mm-hmm. My that would be my assumption, is that the the third act was was largely what needed to be reshot according to you. Well, I know I know Amalgamated Effects uh, who who did the effects and creature design for this. Uh, I found an interview where they, they basically said, um, you know, they could have just been hired to do the creature designs and that's it from what they used. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like they were thinking that there was going to be more practical than what happened. Um, right. Apparently they went on to make uh, Harbinger Down, which was their crowdfunded uh, <laughs> remake of the remake, I guess. But it yeah, didn't, and it wasn't. wasn't- and it wasn't, wasn't very good. No. Yeah, um, that's a lot of that's the budget was so small. I think it was five million or something tops. You know that too. But the but again, I'm talking about like you know this is a, an example of uh, of that argument that uh, zero sum argument of right. of practical effects versus CGI. Whereas uh, Harbinger Down was an example of a film made in the in the early 21st century with entirely practical effects, right. and it still didn't look good. Right. Um, and again, so I think I mean, it comes down a lot to the you know knowing. Knowing having what a director to who knows what to shoot and yeah. having a cinematographer that knows how to shoot it. And that's what an editor that knows how to edit it. And know? that would be my point about this film is I actually think it's relatively, I think it's pretty well directed. Um, I think this film is pretty well made in, the, in, uh, in that respect because the thing is about yeah. CGI. And that's something I was also thinking about in, in conjunction with like Revenge of the Sith was it doesn't work if you don't buy it. You have to buy it. Right. And this film, I don't feel like any of the gags in the movie were. It was, was there a point where I was like, I don't believe this is happening. Yeah, and there's a couple of really standout gags in here, like yeah. you know when they're pull, they're dragging that guy in by his arms and his arms come off and start attacking. attacking that was fucking. Yeah. The guy. That from, was a lot of fun. Yeah, they're attacking the guy from Game of Thrones. Yeah, right. The, yeah, the red beard guy. 
Um, uh, Carmen did a giant spade, I believe. Was. Yeah. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, uh, uh, also the, um, the, uh, the only other woman there, uh, mm-hmm. she turns into the uh, half, she like bends over, right. kind right. of like backwards, and then like her like torso turns into mouth, and right. she's like running after people. It looks good. Yeah. I think it looks great. Um, but the, my, but my point is, is that if you direct it properly, if you light it properly, if you shoot it and do everything you're supposed to do and you have actors that can sell it, right. you can get away with a lot in terms of in either direction, yeah. CGI or, uh, but and I don't, like something I, like revenge of the Sith, which is entirely right. like special effects, like where actors are looking at a tennis ball, right. you're not going to get results because nobody believes it. Yeah, and those, you know, the, the Star Wars prequels, you know, had a lot of really, really great actors in it, and yeah. even they couldn't pull it off. Well, they weren't, they weren't committed. I mean, right. you can tell by looking at it. They weren't them. allowed <laughs> to pull it off. I don't think they were given the room to pull it off, but this isn't a Star Wars show, no, <laughs> despite our best efforts, efforts this, yeah, this episode. Yeah. It's, it's just staring um, into why the prequels didn't work, but yeah. Right. Well, um, uh, so, in the prequels, um, I like Ewan McGregor's performance, Sure. And there's this great interview, if you can find it, uh, that I remember watching, and I, I won't keep this long, I know it's off topic. but oh, it's fine. It's not, because it's, it's talking him, about the same kind of problems this film has, I think. Yes. So. Yeah. When they asked him, you know, why was your performance not as wooden as everyone else's, mm-hmm. and he just flat out said, I ignored George Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so what did you guys think about the acting in this film, I- I was actually pretty impressed with it. I liked the performances, mm-hmm. uh, especially from uh, Kate's actress, um, Mary, Mary Elizabeth Winston. Winston. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. Very um, I, thought, I thought she was. I thought she was fantastic, actually. And as as much as I may compare her to Ellen Ripley mm-hmm. from the Alien series, um, I, I think it's an apt comparison. They're both very strong-willed, very right. intelligent individuals who put things together a lot faster than anybody else and then proceed to run around saying we need to do this thing and nobody listens and everybody dies and they're like i told you we need to do the thing that's the and that's that's a great point um and that's something that i had thought about as well something that uh, i talked to a friend of mine last night about this uh, uh my friend dan clark um was talking about uh how he felt like the movie stuck too closely to Carpenter's film and that he thought maybe it should, should have just been a remake of the thing. And I said, well, if you did just a straight remake of the thing, you would lose uh, my, I think my favorite thing about this film, which is the, the commentary on gender inequality, mm-hmm. um, which is a crucial element in this film uh, and very right. much like it, where you had Ellen Ripley uh, from the word go. I watched Alien uh, last night as well with the Rifter on. Um, and... Um, the scene of Ellen Ripley at the, uh, when the, they're bringing uh, Kane back to the ship and she's like, right. we have to quarantine and they're like, he might die. And then they, they overrule her. Right. And if they had listened to her, everybody would have been yeah. fine. Um, you know, the whole disaster wouldn't have happened. And I think Mary Elizabeth Winstead is very much in the same boat where from the, the first time she says, by the way, uh, we need to figure this out because this alien is replicating her male colleague, Eric Christian Olsen bails on it. Right. He says, oh, I don't know if I believe that. The main professor overrules her because he's her superior. Right. He's male. And then the, the captain guy says, well, go to hell, lady. I don't buy this at all. And the only one that actually backs her up is the fucking thing. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, the woman, the other woman comes up to her and says, hey, girl to girl, you know, uh, here's a problem. And then it turns out she's the fucking alien. The right. only one that, that's you know, actually back her up. And of course, it's sowing the seeds of dissent, saying it's this other guy, this other guy right. did this, um, which is something we don't see as much of, I think, in, in Carpenter's version. We don't see the mm -hmm. thing doing a lot of misdirection. We do a lot of, uh, it seems to want to stay out of sight. Mm -hmm. And that could be, right. in theory, if you want to look at it from this, if this story takes place before, it might have been that the alien learned something. Right. Which was, uh, the best thing to do is say nothing. And I, I think but. I think he does a lot to uh, give dissent within the ranks in, in the Carpenter version. It's just he's a lot more subtle with it, you know. Um, yeah. He's not, will, you know, it's not out there just like, you know, hey, don't listen to that guy, listen to this guy. It's more, he, it realizes after this one, I think you're right, that it, you know, it can sow more chaos and have a better shot if it just lets humans be humans <laughs> well also the thing is uh, the thing up. we'll we'll talk about this next week i'm sure but um with carpenter's film uh you had an all-male cast right and in this film you have this added element of female characters um who are going to approach the situation differently right and um in theory anyway um and, and so you do have a movie that's going to have you if you bring that element into into play you have a, a slightly different ball game than what Carpenter had. And it was, it's probably the, I really probably do feel it. I mean, I don't know if I want to use the word only, but it's, mm -hmm. it's one of the very few things this movie brings to the table that Carpenter's film did not. Um, which was not only where you had in Carpenter's version, where you had a bunch of guys who generally seem to get along, but there's a lot of posturing happening. Uh, and in this film, you've got women they can talk down to. And the women are what who, is the woman is the one who knows what's going on. You have that element that that film did not have, and it's something that I think that brings this film out ahead in in a way mm -hmm. that maybe people don't really take into consideration. Could be. I, I don't. I don't know how many people actually saw this to begin with. I mean, it was definitely underseen. I saw it in theaters. Right. Came out. I remember going to it, and I I enjoyed it then. Because uh, I know it made, it made like thirty out of thirty-eight million dollar budget, and uh, everybody in the in the horror and fan community just kind of wrote it off immediately. I never saw it till we went to do this, not because of any deep-seated hate, just a just a lack of interest. Yeah. Um, I didn't really need, feel I needed to see the same story again, and yeah. you know. Mike, have you seen this movie before? Is this your first time? Um, I saw it. Um, Sometime after my eldest uh, was born, and she was born in 2012. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I didn't remember it very clearly because um, it was on sleep deprivation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I was like, I should watch it. But you were, you were also under siege by a screaming monster at that point too. So yes. you could just live it whatever yeah. you wanted to. Right. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of screaming monster, I, I am... I'm exceedingly curious as to why it had to be a screaming monster when obviously it is a super intelligent, right. uh, you know, jumping, probably FTL. Um, yeah, let's, and, let's, and let's talk about that. Screams at you. Right. Let's talk <laughs> about that. Cause uh, did you guys all feel like this was its spaceship or do you think that it was a, it was something that could, was a contagion on its spaceship. I think it was its spaceship because it was getting it 
turned on at the end to blast right. off. Right. But uh, if it if it gains, but the thing is that the 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 thing as we know it can gain. It seems to be able to to ascertain information through who this right. Yeah, it can pretend to be a person after grabbing it in, so it obviously can access but it memories. Was and, and also, but yeah. like it it had created that amniotic sac inside of its first right. shell, which made me think that that is that is its primary. Form yeah. and every every mutation seemed to echo that form. That kind of that kind of begs the question of how it uh, how it created that kind of ship because a creature like that I don't know if would would able even intelligent would would get to that point in civilization. Yeah, um, yeah. it's I, not I, a social creature. It doesn't seem, and it just kind of spreads and devours everything it touches. So it's like, how would it even get to the point where it would create a space program? <laughs> Unless this is just like the asshole one of the species, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, it must have been alone, right? Um, or can, uh, the entire species is just one thing, like it's one a hive, you know? yeah. yeah. Like it's a change, like from DS Nine or something, you know? I mean, yeah, a piece of it anyway, right? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, so yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe. Uh, I I I kind of like the idea that it was that it's like uh, it was like a parasite they picked up, right? Um, and again, but, that goes back to uh, goes back to being like alien then at that point, you know? Yeah, you found a derelict spacecraft, yeah, right. in the middle of nowhere. You found a signal, you followed it, right? I feel like the expert said, "Hey, maybe let's not drill into the giant cube of ice." Um. <laughs> That'd be yeah, nice. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. They, uh, that I feel like is probably a realistic element, though. I feel like that we would do the same thing. Oh um, yeah, instantaneously. Yeah. If they found if they found a frozen species in the ice, they, their first response would probably be to, to drill into it and see what happens. Um, but uh, because we need to, you know, figure out what it is. Um, actually, there was a film like that too. There was a. a was it called Blood Glacier? I think it wasn't. It wasn't that. Oh yeah, yeah. I that was that basically now. what the premise of the film was. Like mm-hmm. they find an organism in the ice in the Arctic, and they dig it up and find out that it was basically like this disease that right. uh, had remained dormant for millions of years because it was uh, frozen uh, right. in the ice age, and uh, and it's it was sort of that environmental friendly kind of concept of as we start as the polar ice caps start melting due to global warming right. uh, who that who the hell knows what kind of diseases we're going to wake up um that have been dormant uh we don't know what's under the ice in some of these areas that because they've been frozen forever um and it was it was it was a clever idea and i think yeah was, and but i mean like and there's something to that here i think um with this hey. film I mean, there's there's a little bit of uh, maybe more in this one than in the John Carpenter version. There's a little bit of uh, at the mountains of madness in in this this version too, where you know, yeah, yeah. And I think uh, well, and that and that's another element that this film has is that it, uh, it brings sort of that Michael Crichton esque. Um, uh, we've got experts here, right? right? We've got we've got scientists here on this one. Uh, whereas in the original film, you just had uh, Doc, right, uh, played by the late Wilford Brimley, um, uh, you know, kind of saying diabetes, like, <laughs> right, watch Clark, watch him close, diabetes. Um, yeah. 
but uh, you know, in this film, you actually have an expert, and and they're woefully inadequate. Yeah. Um, actually, if, if I if I were going to say the uh, like I said, I think Mary Elizabeth Winstead is great in this film. Mm -hmm. She's a great actress. I think that one of the problems this film has is Joe Ledger as uh, Carter, who is just uh, and I feel like the reason why he's in this movie is because the movie they didn't feel comfortable. Like there's something that about that feels like they backed away from mm -hmm. the lead female concept and needed a uh, 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 McCready right in this film like they felt like they needed that in this picture and well, I think was, you, I think it touched upon one of the big flaws of this film is that it, in, in a lot of areas it felt like it second guessed itself uh, late in the game yeah. and that that's a good example of it you know? especially especially because she had Lars and I thought her dynamic with Lars was Mm -hmm. uh, the guy who couldn't speak Norwegian, uh, couldn't right. speak English. Right, right. Uh, and he becomes like her partner for a large part of the part of the story. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, the best parts of that story when they're building up, and he's the only one that he's just like, you know what? I know you're not the thing, and right. you know I'm not the thing because I'm wearing the flamethrower. Right. And they stay together uh, for most of the film, and he ha they, and he's a great actor. Uh, I'm gonna look up his name actually right now because I I think he was great. Um, Jorgen Langhal. Mm. Uh, but he uh, but I mean he was great and and with very little dialogue um, would just look at her and and project and they would have this right. interesting level of communication where they couldn't understand each other what they spoke, but they had an understanding and it was a great dynamic and so to. To kind of sidestep him and bring in Joel Edgerton feels like a weakness. Uh, almost like, well, we need a, a we need a, an American, and if, uh, yeah. American hero to uh, uh, hang out with her and have romantic tension. And I'm like, first of all, we need more movies without any romantic tension. Right. Was there? I didn't. I didn't really feel there was. No. Yeah. I, I didn't really was, pick I up thought on there it. was a, uh, I thought there was some flirtation there early on. Um, and I felt like that was part of it. I, 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 I felt like it was very Hollywood in that respect. Um, I mean, that, that could very, very well be what, you know, the whatever executive decided on making that, that a thing, you know, was thinking, right. you know. Well, I mean, if you guys didn't read it, if you guys didn't see it that way, I mean, maybe I'm seeing some, maybe. Just because I didn't. Either, I'm just going to say either that, that just because I saw it doesn't mean right. it's real. Yeah, just because um, I didn't catch it doesn't mean it's not there either. Exactly. Maybe, but, yeah. But uh, I mean, but I felt that's the way I felt about it was that they that somehow somewhere along the line, the studio really felt like it was necessary right. to bring this guy back. And why did they bring him back with the other guy after the yeah, helicopter crash? They bring him back and uh, at Wale back. Right. Uh, I would have I would have had one of them, just one of them come back and uh, say, you know, have him say, well, the other one died in the crash, obviously. Uh, how do you survive that? And then that would have actually fed into more, you know, them I mean, wondering if this the only is reason real to bring, or, or not. I feel like the only reason to bring both of them back was that you could play up the idea that one of them is the thing and the other one is not. Right. But you'd um, have the same thing if you just brought one of them back. You'd, you'd be playing to the idea of, well, is did he somehow miraculously survive or is he, you know, one of the things? Yeah. Um, but that's what I mean is that there's a crucial moment in the script, I think, after they come back, they're in the shack, and she goes and talks to them, and she tells them what's up. Lars right. is with her, still. And I feel like that's the scene where it's almost like a transition, because he's like, well, you need our help. And I'm like, actually, she doesn't. She got luck. Right. Like, I wonder how much of that third act was reworked, because, like you said, yeah. I really do. 
I mean, I think the stuff, uh, the mid credits stuff was, was reshoots. Um, it felt unnecessary to, yep. to do that. But um, I guess if I hadn't seen the original Carpenter thing about 500 times, I would maybe want to see where the other one started. But this, this one, I'm like, this isn't that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, um, but yeah I, I think also Joel Edgerton is just kind of outclassed. Uh, I mean, I think he's a, he's a decent actor, but he's not a remarkable actor. And I think everybody else is putting in performances way above his pay grade. Um, you know, he wasn't bad as Owen Lars in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, <laughs> bringing it back. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, well, and that's, I mean, I think his character is a weakness. Um, yeah. uh, and in fact, it would have been better if they killed him off in a plane in the helicopter crash, in my opinion, because then you are, even though I, I tend to, to not like when movies do this, especially when they're sequels or, or remakes, uh, right. when, when they go out of their way to, to subvert, it tends, to, it tends to come off a little bit arch. But right. uh, to have them say, well, the helicopter pilot's American and he's cool and handsome. And, uh, yeah, too many and, Americans in this. Too many Americans. I don't, maybe, it's what, just my, maybe it's just my headcanon, but I always assumed it was just all Norwegians at, yeah. at the station. You know? Yeah, there were, and there was nothing ever, never to suggest otherwise. Right. Um, that, uh, that I get why they had American actors in an American movie. I understand why even, you know, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character went there and maybe the, uh, the guy who went, who went with her, but I mean, they have a couple more because yeah. they're helicopter pilots, like Norwegians don't know how to fly helicopters or something. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> kind of odd. yeah. Hi, I mean, but that's what I mean is that, uh, but my point is, is that if you killed them off in the, in the helicopter crash, you could have said, well, there's no McCready in this one. Right. Right. And uh, because he was the helicopter pilot. And again, that goes back to being boxed in by uh, what came before. Yeah. You know, you have two choices here. You can make the same film over again, which I think they skewed too far into, mm. or you can, or you can deviate too much, and you know, it doesn't work with the original. Which some little bits I think went too far the other direction, and some, and a lot of it just felt like the same movie again, um, especially in the first half. Mm. See, I feel like the second half is what is what feels too much like the thing to me. Yeah. Uh, what feels like John Garbage film to me. The original, the first half, uh, like I said, because they do have the helicopter crash. Right. You know, they do have these things that happen that they that kind of are different. Well, maybe maybe I maybe I misspoke when I said you know it's too much like the first half is too much like the thing, and the second half is too much unlike the thing. It's, it's, I don't want to damn it with with linking it to Rob Zombie's Halloween because mm-hmm. that's a whole other animal of a whole other bag of bag yeah. of dicks. Um, and uh, but like the first half of the movie felt like a sped up version of the original and the second half of the movie, I'm sorry, the first half of the movie felt like a slowed down version of the original and the second half felt like it was a sped up version of the original. There's definitely a pacing issue anyway. Yeah, right. Um, uh, from between uh, first half and second half, um, in particular that third act, which is, which is pretty uh, right. uh, difficult to get through, I think. The third act kind of just happens. So and, setting aside how um, the, the digital versus practical divide how do you guys think the thing looked on this uh, as compared to the original uh 84 version well michael why don't you go first you uh, yeah. we've been talking too much i i miss <laughs> the man-headed dog ah, yeah yeah 
and I know you can't you can't do that again because it's been done. Yeah, right. Um, but that was so messed up and yeah. just like I think they tried to get that same sort of like completely fucked up in this with the right. um the two headed like face melting together. Mm-hmm. Oh the uh the Hellraiser bloodline uh, scene basically where they, they melt the two twins together yeah. with CGI. Which I I was really confused and mm-hmm. I, and this is something I didn't quite get. Um, how the thing worked? Did it it replace it took your body and replaced right. your cells, and so it was using the same body as opposed to digesting a body and then recreating a body. Is that yeah? At one point, it seemed like they were saying that it yeah it replaces the cells, and then another point, it seemed like it's saying it was absorbing the cells. It wasn't. It didn't seem clear on that to me. It, was, it feel it felt very much to me like. Um, trying to explain the thing and then not explain the thing right. because there was an already another movie. Um, right. And uh, I saw, so, I mean, again, I think it's a thing that they, they just couldn't make up their mind. Um, right. But it seemed the original film certainly did suggest replication. Right. Uh, it killed you, but they never actually established what happens to the body. I think uh, it was implied in, that it was absorbed. Uh, it was eaten. So yeah, basically, basically both. If that's yeah. the case, then it's both. It, it digests and then replicates. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So in, in theory, they're both the same thing. It's just a way of going about it. A different yeah, way. if we go back to the blood, when they're looking at the blood, it looks like those cells, cells attacked, are... attacked, ate, and then turned into the same kind of cells. Yes. Um, and it, was, it, was, it was essentially replicating you right. as you stand there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which causes questions about how it can work so fast, but let's, you know, get, not get too cinemasins about it. <laughs> or or what it does with, you know, like hair and, and fingernail and, and bone and such, you know, but. Well, it, it says that's organic material. That's actually one of the things that bugs me about this film is the right. whole fillings concept doesn't really yeah. work for me. Yeah, they, they, um, they go out of the way to say, or, you know, it could do organic material. I'm like, well, so could it do wood? Could it just be the whole building? Okay. <laughs> Well, we know, and, well, that's the thing is that like organic versus inorganic material, uh, but I'm like, but right. it's wearing clothes. Like, I don't right. know. It's, uh, it's a bit, it's a, it's a little bit, I think it's a little bit of a reach. Maybe right. they're all wearing, they're, none of them are wearing, you know, fully uh, polyester or rayon threads. You know, they're, they're all wearing wool and, and cloth and uh, cotton. <laughs> well, if, but if, the, if what they're, if what the thing is doing is replicating in place. Right then the body's being replicated inside the clothes that they're being worn. Did they, did they ever show anybody ripping out of their clothes during a transformation? I didn't really watch the, the woman. There. The, I think the when because the woman is naked when she turns into the... Right. Or was it like, or was it like the werewolves? Clothes, uh-huh. And the guy in the helicopter like rips out of his clothes. Okay. But okay. Once, once it seems to like... Settle leave, in form. Leave its human-esque... Um, mimicry mm-hmm. it seems to it seems to not be able to re- reforge itself into that right like right. I'm contained in this in this container but as soon as I break out I've broken the container and I can't refix it because it never, they... it never pulled itself back together it was always just or, a is, or, it, or is it just that it didn't see any need to at that point um... possibly but we never, we, again, we never got to see it. Yeah, that's that's a take that I hadn't hadn't thought of. Um, yeah. That it can't reform back into a person, which would uh, be kind of odd, because um, you've had 
think of how to put this right. Um, you know, if you're going to long term, you know, pretend to be somebody else, I feel like there would have been points where, you know, are you saying you could never like pretend to be McReady and, and, and take out two people? You'd have to go to McReady and then take out, you know, take the form of the next person and then. Well, that begs the question, could you take out two people at the same time? And then that's how you, that's how you reproduce. You've just taken right. out two people at the same time and now there's well, we, two of them. We certainly, see, we certainly see that it's able to step to split. Right. Um, uh, it, you know, that it, it, and that's what I, that's what I mean is that like when we talk um, about the, the, uh, spaceship how many uh, how many telomeres does the, do these cells have? When we talk about the uh, the uh, spacecraft when it crashed, if you, if whether or not it was the species flying it or, or mm. imprisoned on it, um, and that's the and that's what it means. That, and I said it was alone, right? Well, it's because it would be it is capable of taking on two different forms at once. It seems to be able to separate, right? It, it undergoes, I guess, uh, mitosis. Well, yeah, even the thing with the you know all the little arms scurrying around—that's not something I don't think we saw in the original. I mean, well, we did broke yeah, off. There were, there were pieces. It broke off a couple pieces, but it broke off into like a lot of pieces and then reformed. Uh, and it was, of course, this. I mean, and I mean, I think that I mean Carpenter in particular formed his film. I think to be that only one person is the thing at a time, right? Um, although they didn't know if, he could, if it could be more than one person at a time. Well, they the seem to suggest that it could because, you know, they were talking about, you know, how quickly it's going to take over the world if it got back to society. Yeah. Um, right. I don't, I don't think there's a limit to how many people it can take over, but it definitely seemed to be one at a time in the, in the story. Yeah. Well, I mean, then that was, that was Carpenter creating suspense. Um, right. In this film, uh, I think the, the focus in this film versus Carpenter's film, I think, is way more on the gags. I think he yeah. really wants to be uh, uh, audacious. Right. Um, and I think sometimes it succeeds, sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I think that's uh, I think that's part of the reason why they did like the fillings thing was to try to be like we're going to do something not like the thing. Right. Um, we're going to do Mary Elizabeth Winstead because we want to do something not like the thing. Right. And um, I, I think the fillings thing, you know, also goes back to you know whoever was I forgot to look up who who wrote this script in the end, but you know actually. The people making it at the time before it got, you know, ruined in post, let's say, uh, to be uh, kind of unfair to it. Uh, but they made a lot of decisions after they filmed the movie that weakened it. Um, yeah. They they did think about how this thing would work, uh, how it would replicate, how to keep it in line with, you know, the Carpenter version. So stuff like, you know, the fillings is, is, a, is a pretty logical outgrowth of that i think because otherwise like like you said why can't you be the radio why can't you be the helicopter you know it's sure it's the terminator 2 theory where it's like okay well he can't become a bomb and blow you right. up you know right, right. but yeah, here's I, my question if you're replicating uh, in place right wouldn't you just replicate around the inorganic material like you you'd, you'd replicate teeth right around where the filling was yeah, you could. Um, or do you even replicate the teeth? Do you need to? Do you just right. replicate the soft tissues? Mm -hmm. Right. Or yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like yeah, like you said, you know, like inorganic stuff, soft tissue. Um, we don't know how it replicates like bone. I mean, we see teeth. I mean, because even after they burn the thing, it's got pearly whites. Um, so I was able to do that right quick. Mm. Um, well, they established, they established right. the filling thing again for, uh, I think it's, it's um, uh, uh, function over form. Right. You know, I think that what they're, 
they don't want to do the blood test thing because that was done. Right. So and how did, you can't improve on that scene if you know if, as hard as you would try. So all you can do is and so but right, and all you can do is say like well and that of course they even call it out in that in that scene of like, well what if I mean like Eric Christian Olsen being like, I've got perfect teeth, why would I have fillings? Right. You know, and she's like, Well, I don't trust you. Um and of course the and of course the point of that scene really has less mm-hmm. to do with the fillings and more about the three assholes are the ones who don't have fillings. Right. You know, it's the, the three antagonistic guys are the ones who don't have them. And so they become a, and in theory that, that there's a, if you wanted to get really intellectual with that scene, there's also mm-hmm. three guys who clearly had the money too. Right. You know, um, these are, these are guys who are, are elite, um, yeah. wealthy, come from wealthy families, come from wealthy backgrounds. Um, they're they're and, uh, versus the Norwegian guys who are all these like hairy dudes, you know, who, uh, you know, come from Norway and are uh, more like the cast of the original film than anything else. And then you have Mary Elizabeth Winstead right in the middle of it where she's able to kind of do both. But at the end of the day, she's more like the common guys than the intellectual elite. Um, but I mean, that's, a, I think that's what that scene is supposed to do is draw that line in the sand. Um, and of course, to set up the ending. You know, mm-hmm. where uh, you know she knows that uh, Joel Edgerton is the thing because he doesn't have his earring anymore, right? Um, and of course, then he goes and reaches. I actually like that. That that that's probably the only part of the ending I, I actually like was that quotation yeah. where she says your, your earring, and he sa- and he reaches up for his right ear, and she says, and she got, looks disappointed, and she says it was the other ear. And I know that and now. I know that you're not you. So we know that the creature is intelligent, but it's not Sherlock Holmes. It didn't notice the earring and put it back in, you know? <laughs> right, right. Or if, and if it can. Um, uh, we know that it explodes. Why wouldn't it be able to put an earring in? Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, if it can't, if it, if it kicked out. It can put out clothes. Or it, can, it can have clothes. Right. But it kicked if, out the if fillings. It, if right. in the process it pushes out any inorganic material, as it seems to do, that would tell me that the hole for the earring actually closed. Yeah, but you could just push an earring through it. It doesn't seem to bleed normally as when it's in human form. I mean, well, so I mean, it, was, it spits out the fillings, so that maybe right. it really can't have inorganic material in its system. But, I mean, is an earring really in your system? I mean, yeah. I mean, oh, it's, I mean, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, you put... Uh, I'm just it, saying it's an easy fix. It could have just picked up the earring and put maybe it back it's, in. Maybe it's, like, maybe it's like Proteus from the X-Men. Like, it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's vulnerable to metal. I don't know. But, uh, maybe it fell down a trench when it transformed. The earring went ding, 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 ding. Had, maybe it lost the earring. Maybe yeah, they, they, should have watched, they should have showed that scene of it just, like, looking at the sewer grate as it falls through. Like, God damn it. I lost it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's. I think that's the next thing. Movie has to be from the perspective of the thing and be like, "Fuck, I forgot who I am right now." They've done some comics of the thing, and none of them were particularly good. But um, there was a couple that kind of tried to show the perspective of the thing. I just think it would be funny to do like a comedy of errors with the thing. Right. I'm like, oh man, I don't remember who I'm supposed to be right now. Uh, I've lost track of the lie. Right. Um, yeah, you get Terry. You get Terry O'Quinn to play him. Yeah. Doing his stepfather thing. Yeah. Yeah, you can do that. Uh, I, I'm like, I'm more thinking. I'm th- yeah, I'm thinking more like broad comedy, like right. know, Jim Carrey or something. Like, I don't know who I'm supposed to be anymore. Uh, I lost <laughs> right. track. Uh, or show a, a show a thing 
uh, with a uh, you know very serious case of body dysmorphia. Yeah, I hate being human. Right, doesn't feel right. Yeah, um, yeah, but uh, so I, I mean we're we're coming up on time here. So uh, do we want to have, have uh, any last final thoughts on the uh, on the thing twenty eleven? Well, let's 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 go back to our old tried and true. You know, since this is a decent film but not a great film, what sure. would anybody do anything to try to make it a little better, make it a little more classic than what it's regarded as? Okay. I think there was a lot of potential in that film to be still a prequel and and be something other than. Um, you know, haunted house stuck in the middle of the Antarctic, can't get away, right. sort of thing. Um, I said thing. I said it again. That's fine. Um, just, they <laughs> they picked that word because it's a, a very used word. So, um, and I just I I wish that there had been a little more care taken with how the plot moved and what the ultimate kind of um, end game was. I would have liked to have seen the thing, which is obviously, as, as stated, a, a very intelligent creature right. um, acting intelligent as itself in some capacity. Right. As opposed yeah. to just being going from I'm pretending to be a human and I'm talking to you and I'm obviously intelligent and now I'm just a frothing monster who's right. gnawing on your face and shooting my arms at you. Right. Um, it, it would have been very interesting to see that and and you know again that kind of calls aliens to mind with the Queen, mm -hmm. where you see these these aliens which are obviously intelligent in their own right. But then you see, you, you can see the intelligence in the queen as the queen without a single line of dialogue from this monster. Right. And I think, I, I wish they had managed to pull that off and shown the level of intelligence that it actually has. Right. Rather than just going back to the uh, Simpsons thing of, you know, the dog is evil because it has shifty eyes. Exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, Nathaniel, what about you? Would you? Uh, well, like I said earlier, I think uh, I think uh, 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 the helicopter pilot would have been bumped off. Uh, right. I wouldn't have had. I don't think I would have anybody come back from that. Um, mm. uh, I feel like the real purpose of that sequence would have been to to establish no quick exit. Um, right. uh, and uh, or if they did bring him, or they did bring them back, they would be inconsequential i wouldn't have made any of them a main character right um i would have focused more on the idea of uh, like i said of, of her and lars um mm. uh the, the unassuming guy turns out to be pretty clever and uh and our hero our hero our hero um mm. is is mary elizabeth winstead uh so i mean that's the stuff that i liked about the film and i think i would have just continued that straight through um i don't know i mean again i don't know what the original ending probably was um, yeah, I'm not sure either. Uh, I really but, wish there there would be an actual like collector's edition of this with the original edit and then the theatrical, but I don't think Universal's ever going to do that. I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm not sure how much of it exists either. Um, yeah, I'm not, me neither. Yeah, but uh, uh, the 
I, I, I see why the spacecraft stuff was in the third act. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if we needed it. No. Um, but it was something, but again, it was one of those things I think it was meant to be there would be different than the original film. I have found, a, um, just as a, mm-hmm. um, perhaps to the end of this, I have found the a synopsis for the original ending of the... Oh, okay. okay. Hit, hit us. Beautiful. No. In the original ending, Kate was to discover the original pilots of the spaceship, which had all been killed by the Thing, which was an escaped specimen that they had collected from another planet, implying that the uh-huh. ship crashed in an attempt to kill the monster. So it, so it was like a Night of the Creeps, uh, Hopgoblins kind of <laughs> thing, where these things are just... Uh, what I, that, that, that makes sense. Um, Is that all of it? Um, that's, that's the quick bit. Let me see. Okay. That might be all of it. Well, well while you're looking, I'll, I'll give my, uh, my my idea of fixing it. Um, uh, I, have, I have a good idea, I have a bad idea, and I have a really stupid idea. First of all, we're going to sell it to Disney so he can fight uh, the thing, obviously. It's mm-hmm. clobbering time. Um, okay. I would actually play it more um, more up into the mystery of you know how they discovered the ship, how they investigated the ship. Um, give more more room to talk of like you know the Ellen Ripley kind of thing where you're breaking quarantine protocols and you're not being careful about this and that's what unleashed it more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have played it more like like I said in the, the mountains of madness because um, the way it played now is just kind of the same as the other one with a little bit of you know differentiations here and there yeah um yeah i would have played it much more as a mystery um but and the thing about the thing about the thing this prequel the thing is um it lost the sense of impending doom the apocalyptic sense of the of the of the well the original version of this version Mm. um where you know they're like this cannot escape it's going to kill us all Um, they don't really play into that very much you know and this plays well into carpenter's you know apocalyptic uh storylines in the original uh, they kind of dropped the ball here with that i think uh, they could have had you know the people this the evil scientists you know investigating it be more like well we need to bring this back to society and, and yeah work out it in a lab and they're like no don't what the heck's wrong with you you know yeah yeah so did yeah. you find anything more about the original ending um, so the director, um, who I will not try and pronounce his name. Sure. He only did uh, like commercials and shorts anyways, aside from this. So he's I got think. one feature coming out, I think this year. So okay. it came out last year. Yeah. But yeah. He refers to his original cut as the pilot version and the new cut as the Tetris version. <laughs> uh, original ending. Let's see. Which is his Um, he says, I like that idea because it would be the Norwegian camp in space. Kate sees the pod room and one pod being broken, giving her the clues as to what happened. What didn't work was that she wanted to find Sander and stop the ship from taking off and still solve the mystery in the ship. And these two energies were in conflict. Yeah, I would have I not had the ship be functional in any way. You know, just left it as a derelict. Yeah. 
So, uh, uh-huh. so final thoughts on uh, final thoughts on the thing. I'd watch it again. Yeah, I'd I'd watch it again. Uh, you know, like I said, I've seen the original remake a yeah. hundred million times, and yeah. If if I get bored of watching that, I'm going to go back to this one. You know, maybe here and there. Um, it's not it's not a terrible film. It's not a great film. It's just yeah. it's just a film. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It popcorn. Get yeah. a beer. It's it certainly. It certainly doesn't deserve the amount of hate that it got at the time and the Thank amount you. of uh, – I don't even think people hate it that much anymore unless you bring it up. They just don't think about it at all. It doesn't exist anymore in people's minds. It's, yeah, all, it's really too sad. Right. All that happens is, yeah, if it gets brought up, it's, it's mostly that it's the – it goes back to the uh, effects argument. It's right, the only right. time it ever gets invoked, I think, is when people yeah. talk about uh, uh, practical effects versus CGI, the thing that went Well, yeah, I know you and I had both mentioned on you know Facebook or – and Twitter, like that, we were watching it, and I think we've all we both got comments. I don't know about you, Mike, if you mentioned anything, but yeah, the first comments we got about it were like just the effects. I'm like, yeah, we know, yeah, we, we heard this, <laughs> right? But yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, and that's and that's mostly my final thought too. I think it's actually, uh, it's a, it's an inoffensive mm-hmm. movie. It's, right. it's it's uh, and I think it's actually a lot of fun. I think there's some good performances. Yeah, it's a good uh, B movie. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's I think it's actually fun. And I nothing, actually, nothing wrong with being a B movie, guys. No, nothing at all. No, and I actually think the effects work pretty well. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, there's a couple um, of janky shots, but whatever. Better than Revenge of the Sith. Heck, I right. think I think the original Jurassic Park had better CGI than any of the Star Wars prequels. Right. I was gonna say I think the worst CGI fe- uh, shots in this were probably better than the best CGI shots in Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so I guess that about does it uh, this week for At the Devil's Ball. Um, thank you again for listening. Uh, yep. And um, and tune in next week when we cover John Carpenter's The Thing, uh, which will be a uh, which will be fun. And we have a guest for that too, don't we, Sam? Uh, yes, I believe we're going to have a guest for that. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, uh, again, I am Nathaniel Johnson. I am on Twitter at Film Hurts. Uh, I'm Samuel Numine. I'm on uh, S at Samuel on Twitter. Micah, where can we find you? At On Twitter, um, uh-huh. at Micah Writer, M-I-C-A-H, writer, like typing. Anything you want to plug? Anything you want to? Um, well, um not yet, but you can you can see my book cover behind me, so oh. hopefully that'll be soon. All right, well, um, post it to the Twitter so we can show everybody the the, the book cover. Yeah, I will do so. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Yep. And uh, uh, thank you again for listening. And uh, uh, thank you very much. Good night. And namaste. Oh,